You're visiting the mom next door and our stories of faith. I'm glad you dropped by for a visit. Please stay a while and hear what the Lord has done in the lives of moms just like you and me. Well, you know, I always want to give you a heads up when we're about to enter a recording that may require some discretion. This is one of those. So, mamas, as we'll be talking about the pretty dark season in the life of my guest, I want to invite you to pop in those earbuds as you listen to this testimony of a life transformed. Well, welcome to the Mom Next Door Stories of Faith. I'm your host, Pam Fields, and it is so exciting to hear from women of faith at all stages of their lives and to hear what God has done. As I introduce you to today's guest, I'm going to have to take a few steps back and explain the connection. So uh, I often mention my married daughter, Emma. She was even a guest on episode 57, where she shares about advocating for her premature baby. You might remember that episode. Well, when she was in her teen years, we used to hold a teen game night once a month. It was a time where we could just bring in a bunch of youth, play games, sometimes sing, sometimes uh, just eat a lot of food. And it was around this time that Emma had an inseparable friend, Ruthie. I'm not sure how many teenage girl giggles took place before this, but one night, Ruthie's brother, Jed, was sent to pick her up from the game night. That was the night, I believe, that Jed and Emma met. And three years later, he became my son-in-law. So Ruthie, that would make you my daughter's sister-in-law. And you've been on a pretty extreme journey of faith. And I'm so honored that you would choose to share it with my listeners today. I'm not sure how far you want to go back or how you might want to set the stage, but please take us into your story. Hi, Pam. So first of all, I've always referred to you as Mrs. Fields, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. almost feels more comfortable. Um, <laughs> so yeah, first and foremost, thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, when you reached out to me, and it was so humbling, to be honest, uh, you said that a couple people had recommended my story. I remember praying about it quite a bit, and I had not yet surrendered my story to the Lord fully. And I had shared, you know, my testimony a few times, but there were like pieces of my testimony that were still kind of fresh, you know, um, like the Lord was still healing me. And so almost exactly a year after you contacted me, which was more recently, it wasn't even like I revisited it in prayer. I was literally just folding laundry and the Lord was like, you're going to message Mrs. Fields right now. (laughs) And you're going to tell her that you'll be on the podcast. And again, it's just an honor to be here and I'm excited to share. I love your family dearly. And it's, it's been such a special thing to watch, like your kids grow up and it, all of it unfolds. You know, I I remember when your kids were little, little tiny, but, um, but again, it's just an honor to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah. I was thinking that we go way back and uh, I'm thinking I've known you for about, maybe 11 or 12 years, at least it's, it's kind of crazy to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And, and you guys get full credit as well for meeting my husband. (laughs) Cause I also met him at the game night. (laughs) You know what? I thought so. I think that there were several marriages kindled at those teen game (laughs) nights for sure. Right on. Yes. (laughs) So that may be the first point of this episode is that Moms, if you're wondering how to connect good relationships for your children, start holding a teen game night. (laughs) Yes. No. Well, it's honestly a beautiful example of like how we can foster healthy friendships, you know, even with the opposite gender, but do that in, you know, a home that is safe and, you know, focused on the Lord. And, and, you know, we saw that just how we had honestly growing up more conservative that was the first opportunity I had to connect with boys, with, you know, <laughs> gentlemen and have like foster a healthy relationship, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, I think we'll have to do an episode on teen game nights in the future. I'll remember that. Yes. So I don't know how far back you want to go into your story. Yeah. So, so I, 
about four years ago, I was put in a mental hospital and, you know, that's kind of what I want to touch on, but a few like notable facts, I guess, that led to my being in mental and spiritual distress were my dad passing away. And then two years prior, I believe it was about two years prior, he kind of abandoned our family. And, you know, that resulted in my parents' divorce and just a lot of traumatic things for an early teen. And so when I was put in the mental hospital four years ago, it was almost down to the day, his anniversary of his death. Mm -hmm. Um, And another very notable fact was I was severely addicted to marijuana. And it's, it's might sound silly because, you know, people think of, you know, yes, people say marijuana is the gateway drug, but like people also think of it as just harmless sort of, Um, you know, especially in Oregon where I live, it's um, everyone smokes pot, you know, but I ended up for, for about five years using it and it got to the point of concentrates and basically just a very harsh form of it. Um, so it, it was similar to, I wouldn't compare it to like a heroin addiction, but to be honest, I was very checked out 24 seven. I mean, I have memories of going places completely checked out, driving with my daughter, things, you know, that were, I was blinded because of the use Basically, during my hospitalization, it was determined that I was in a state of psychosis. My husband basically was told by the doctors, like, we don't know if she'll ever come out of this state. Um, And even being put in the mental hospital for two weeks, by the end of those two weeks, I still hadn't returned fully to like awareness. I mean, basically, when I was put in the hospital, I didn't know my name. I didn't know my birth date. And that was actually how they were able to admit me because, you know, it has to be either voluntary or you don't know anything and they have to take you in. And after about four attempts, my beloved mother-in-law and my husband tried about four times and I was there enough that it wasn't voluntary. But then the final time, I didn't even know my own information. And so they, they admitted me. Again, with that said, you know, my husband experienced doctors telling him like, this could be the final state that she's in, you know, and um, after further evaluation, there's just a lot of things that they noted. I came in talking about demons. I came in talking about, I remember those times. And I remember it was almost like the gospel truth, which is, you know, the gospel is so simple. The good news is so, so simple. Even a three-year-old can understand. It was like mush in my mind. It was like, at one point I thought I was Mary carrying Jesus, like just completely, you know, visual hallucinations, audio, audio hallucinations, you know, in the hospital, which was very scary. I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I thought people were trying to harm me or rape me or, you know, just some very like vile things taking over my mind. And so with that said, I, you know, being there for two weeks, I had a two-year-old who I was still breastfeeding you know, I was forced to wean her because I was, I ended up on four different medications when I came out. Um, you know, that was very traumatic for her and me as well. And just God's grace on my firstborn's life has been so beautiful. Just the way he wiped all that away, you know, and like me seeking him and his kingdom first, he's brought so much redemption to her. And, you know, even just her being so young that she has no recollection. She, you know, it's just, it's incredible the healing that God has brought truly. And I also want to like encourage moms or maybe anyone out there struggling with mental health that, um, I'm very passionate about God can deliver you, heal you, set you free and set you on a new path. But it requires a few things. Like it requires us seeking him. You know, I remember being fully addicted to marijuana and feeling like there was no way out, but I had to start somewhere. And eventually I just started praying and I just started getting in the word. And that was when conviction came. Um, and actually, before I continue with the story, I want to talk about some of the like pivotal scriptures that the Lord brought me to. Yeah. And I'm taking notes because I think we're going to have to jump back to a few parts, but I don't want to <laughs> yes. stop you now. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Sorry. I kind of get on a roll, but, but yeah, in James, Uh, the first chapter, it just talks about if we lack wisdom, like ask the Lord to give it to us. And basically just 
it says, you know, you're relying on your faith for him to give you these things. Um, so in verse eight, it's talking about people who lack the faith, but ask for things still and how the, those can't, those don't coincide. Um, so in verse eight, it says, actually I'll start in seven for such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. I'm going to stop there, but I encourage you to read, honestly, all of James. You could read it in an afternoon. It's so short. So I started pursuing the Lord about two years after my diagnosis. And this was someone who was told for two years solid, you have bipolar one and your dad probably had it and he was undiagnosed. And that's why he did all of these things. And, you know, it was one of those things where they really tried to condition me to believing this lie, to believing that this was my identity and simply medical. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I ended up going to therapy every week. I saw a psychiatrist every two weeks. Um, I worked with them and it was actually, it truly was a blessing because God used man's wisdom to heal me. And I want to, that was what a few minutes ago I was saying, I want to encourage like moms and people struggling with mental health because I'm not anti-medication. I'm not anti I'm not even like fully anti-pot. I believe that there's some people like paralysis, like, you know, like God did create it and, you know, anything food we can abuse and we can, you know, if it's, if it's something we use for ourselves and overuse, like that's abuse, you know? And so again, like I'm, I'm not anti those things. I just saw firsthand how it destroyed my life and how it took over my life and how every living and breathing moment. I wanted that substance to disassociate, to like disconnect from my reality. And my reality wasn't all that bad. It was my spiritual health that was bad. Mm. You know, I Mm. wasn't pursuing Christ. I didn't put him first in my life. I didn't put him first in even, you know, relationships. All of my relationships hit rock bottom because I was so, so in my flesh in all of it, you know? Well, even the good things in our lives can be taken to an extreme so that it then becomes an idol in our lives. So that's what you're saying is like, you know, at this point that had become what you craved and what you ran after. Right. Yes. Yeah. No, exactly. But again, it, it really was so cool to see how God used, you know, even the pharmaceutical medication to heal me. And I do believe that that was part of my journey in healing, like not to get too much into the weeds of it, but basically the marijuana was so, so overtaking of my mind and, you know, gave me anxiety and fear and the medication that they had me on numbed all of that. Hmm. So I would continue using the marijuana, but the meds helped use it. (laughs) And that's not, that's not good in hindsight, but what it, it was able to bring was like, eventually the Lord led me to, he, he was very clear when I, when I read this scripture, I was like, okay, I've been diagnosed with bipolar. Like that literally is double-mindedness. Like I believe that it is, it is the enemy infiltrating your mind. Like it, you know, even from a medical perspective, that's what it is. It's highs and lows. It's like, it's never feeling secure in a belief or a mindset. Mm. And I remember like that, hit me because I was like, oh my gosh, even the Bible talks about double-mindedness and like, this is what I've identified with, but do I have to be this way? Can I, cause it turned into like two years of this diagnosis and I was justifying bad behavior because I was told that was a behavior that I was going to have for the rest of my life. Does that make sense? Like instead of, instead of like, let's foster and cultivate healthy behavior they were like, oh, you can do your breath work and you can meditate, you know, cause it's all about anything anti-God. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, this is just how you're going to be like sometimes. You'll Accept be it. Right. Yes. And so again, that was, that was a scripture that really resonated with me. And then there's also Ephesians 414. This is uh, where he's talking about how we need to be mature, where Paul is talking about we how we need to be mature in Christ. And he says, so that we are no longer children tossed back and forth like the ships of a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of, of doctrine, by the cunning and trickery 
men by the deceitful schemes of people ready to do anything for profit, for personal profit. And again, kind of like the illustration of that, like tossed to and fro, you know, there's actually several scriptures that talk about just being tossed to and fro and not being steadfast on the rock. That is Jesus Christ, you know? And when I, when I saw those, that was when I was like, okay, this has been me. And maybe it's so much more simple than going to therapy every week and taking four different medications, but then, you know, getting high because that's my escape from all of it. Like maybe I just need to remain steadfast. Maybe I need to press into the Lord and seek him on what that looks like. And, you know, I had never really sought him on, you know, I guess I'll backtrack just a little bit. I prayed the sinner's prayer when I was four. I had been raised in a very like you know, Bible believing family, um, glory to God. I'm so thankful for that. And even during my like rough season, I was so resentful about that, you know, cause mm. it was, I wasn't walking with him. I didn't know him truly, but I, I just want to like do this little encouragement to like any moms who have kids in that state, please, please, please do not lose hope. Like mm. I cannot say this enough because Whew, sorry, getting a little emotional because I, I see it a lot. And um, God, God has a blessing over that child. And if anything, it's to honor you as a mom who are contending for them. And obviously he wants their soul. He wants them for all of eternity, but he's honoring you and your faithfulness and that you've been interceding for them. Mm. And, you know, I, that's one thing that one of the many things that my family was so, um, such a blessing in is, is they loved me. They, they brought me flowers. They would come see me. They would check up on me. They would all like have this little group chat discussing me, which felt weird at the time, but it was just because they wanted to see breakthrough. They wanted to see freedom. They, you know, they saw the broken place I was in. And yeah, I just encourage families who, who are, have a, you know, a prodigal son, um, or daughter, like God is going to bring them and speak life over them, speak that they will come into the kingdom, that God will draw them. Paul says faith is the substance of things not yet seen. Mm-hmm. And when that, when that verse really hit my spirit, I literally thought of it as like, like Play-Doh, like a substance, like it's literally a thing, a substance that we can't see. And it doesn't exist. The faith doesn't exist unless we believe that it exists. Like it's simple, but it's obviously hard because, you know, we have to ask for God to give us that faith. Like, you know, the Bible says he gives all of us a measure of faith, but how often are we like, Lord grow my faith? You know, I, I need more. I need you to give me an increase of faith just so that I can pray this through just speaking life. Cause you know, power of life and death is in the tongue. That's what the Bible says. And we so often speak what we see and not where we want, what we want to see, you know, we, we speak where people are instead of where people are going. And so again, I, that was those two verses, sorry, kind of all over the place, but those two verses in James and Ephesians were really the conviction piece for me. And then I want to talk about acceptance. So in Romans eight, one, um, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus and believe in him as their personal Lord and Savior. And in the Passion Translation, it actually says, therefore, there is no accusing voice against you. And I cannot tell you guys how much that penetrated my spirit. Just that simple scripture of, you know, I already knew the gospel, but remembering that Jesus is literally my advocate, you know, seeing him as my lawyer, like he is the one advocating for me. He is the one he there's me and there's him and there's God. And when he's in front of me, all God sees is him. He doesn't, God doesn't see my sin. God doesn't see my past. God doesn't see even the hurt. He just sees Jesus who sent and washed it all away. And you know, that scripture really Again, like I remember listening to a sermon where he talked about that. He, the man talked about how, you know, Jesus is your advocate and think of it like in a court of law and how, you know, your lawyer stands up for you. Your lawyer is, is between you and the judge, the, the mighty judge, which is the father. And so that was what I would call like the acceptance stage where 
you know, that was my gospel verse (laughs) that really helped the gospel penetrate me. And then there was, uh, it's Romans 8.38. Romans 8 is so fire, you guys. It's, oh, just so good. Um, let's see. We just went through that with our life group and, and threw out the anchor for several weeks. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. Well, and it's interesting too, because you know, there's so many, I believe it's in Romans six and seven that Paul talks a lot about not being steadfast and kind of the struggle. And there's a a minister that I listen to that is like, you know, so many people are like living in Romans six and seven, but you need to be living in Romans eight. And that's where he talks about the victory. And even Mm. that really challenged me because I would look at like my, like my highlights as a teen, my Bible. And it was always like identifying with these verses of being beat down and broken. And, you know, like those were the things that I would highlight. And now, even Mm. if I'm not there, even if I haven't arrived into the victory, I'm highlighting the victory because that's Mm. what I'm contending for. And that's what I'm believing for. And I think, you know, just shifting that mindset as believers is very needed in the church. You know, it's how we're going to win souls is, is walking in victory. You know, we've, we've been lied to as a church that we're supposed to be the victim almost as believers. And, you know, like poverty has become a um, virtue almost in the church. Like there's so many things that, that if we just proclaim and say, you know, this is the future that Christ has for me, you know, Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. He didn't just say eternal life in heaven. That was for here on earth. We are called to an abundant life here on earth. And so that was another thing that the Lord really gave me revelation of when I sought him more. We just need to be reminded of the promises that are already in scripture. We get yes. going in our life and we we just kind of let our imagination take over and we forget mm-hmm. what's already been said. And we yes, can find confidence on. in what has been said because that is where our identity lies. That mm-hmm. is where our hope lies. That That is the victory you're talking about. It's yes. already there. We just need to 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 recognize that and to walk mm-hmm. in that victory. Yes. Align ourselves with it. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree. Okay. So, um, for I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing will separate us from the love of God. And finally, that, that bit, I just called falling in love with Jesus and, um, just recognizing that he was pursuing me even when I wasn't pursuing him and just to kind of, uh, return back to my, my story, you know, when I was hospitalized, my mother-in-law came daily to visit me at the hospital. And, um, I actually have a very vivid memory of me, like, like a child laying in her lap while she was sitting on the couch and just sprawled across the couch in the hospital. And she was playing with my hair and I was just, it wasn't even like I was hysterical bawling. It was like it had already like penetrated my soul that I was not worthy of salvation. That truly like it didn't get any worse than me. And God stopped there or something. You know, it can't be explained. But um, she repeatedly just told me, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. And um, probably 40 times, you know, over and over. Um, And that might sound silly, but there's some people that truly need to hear that. There's some people that need to hear that there's nothing in this life, in the spirit realm that can separate you from the love of God. And he's trying, he's pursuing you, but are you going to let him, are you going to let him in? Yeah. Um, And, you know, that was, again, two years later was when I actually had revelation of that. But those words that my mother-in-law spoke over me were still so influential in my walk, you know, Mm -hmm. because there would be times over and over again that I would, you know, think about, should I pursue the Lord or, you know, sit on it for a little bit, but I would remember what she said, like, you're worthy. And I'd be like, but am I, you know, but those words still resonated with me. And there's times where you are trying to minister to someone and you don't feel like they're hearing you, but if the spirit is leading, don't stop, mm-hmm. you know, because it it is still penetrating them. It just may not come to life in their spirit yet. 
And then I also want to share lastly, um, what drew me drew me to him. And that's just his kindness, his goodness. Um, in Romans two, four, Paul talks about how it's the goodness of the Lord or some, some versions say the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance and truly, you know, again, just to kind of pile on everything else that I've said, you know, I, I had revelation of who he was, that he wasn't, you know, growing up a little bit like in a religious culture where everyone's looking at, you know, how long your skirt is or, you know, how long your hair is like all of these, you know, more religious outward external. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Outward appearance things. I never actually realized, okay, God doesn't care about any of that. You know, the scripture says he looks at the heart and he was after me regardless. And he loved me regardless of whatever I had done or struggled with. And so, yeah, just, I want to kind of return to my story after sharing those scriptures, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that is just that, um, again, I spent about two years on medication, just really started being hungry for more and started pursuing the Lord. Um, he led me to get sober and stop taking my meds. And I actually stopped taking my meds first because to be honest, it was easier than stopping the marijuana. Mm -hmm. And when I stopped taking my meds, the marijuana started having a stronger detrimental effect on me. Like it, like it was when I was hospitalized, it start. I started getting intrusive, invasive thoughts and fearful and anxiety and just things that were like totally ridiculous, just fearful of them. Surprisingly, the Lord actually used that. God actually, you know, I was starting to he hear his voice a little bit and he said like, you need to stop. You need to stop with the marijuana. This is what's hurting you. This is what's taking you from me. And I remember he, like, I believe it was a dream or maybe a vision during the day, but I remember he very clearly, he showed me that I was literally just opening myself up. Like I saw just like my mind opening up to the enemy, to demons, mm -hmm. to, you know, fears and all these things, you know, because everyone knows like scripture says, I believe Paul says it, but I'm not sure what, um, what book, but it talks about how, when you're not sober, you're you're opened up. You're more vulnerable. That's the word I'm looking for to the enemy. Um, you're not as sharp. And so I started to see that. And finally I started, it was actually, um, once it got bad enough, I would go to get high and pretty much the second after I would, I would get floods of anxiety. Mm. Um, I mean, to the point of literally visibly shaking and I, they, I would instantly think, Oh, I wish I'd, wasn't high, but then it's an argument too in the pot community. They say, Oh, you know, it's not physically addictive. It hundred percent is like, mm -hmm. I was evidence that it was because again, mm -hmm. I would, I would crave it. And then I would like, forget the effect that it had on me. And I remember finally, like the Lord was so clear that I needed to stop, but I didn't have it in me. And I remember just saying, Lord, if you want me to stop, like I want to stop, I just need you to take away my appetite. And this was literally right before I was about to get high. I was like holding the stuff and I started to feel like vomiting and I know that that was him. And I thank him for that because to this day, if I get a whiff of it, it makes me feel sick. And I used to be that person that enjoyed the smell. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. uh, and again, I know that that, that was truly a, a miracle that he gave me to rid me of that desire, you know, that physical mm -hmm. desire. And so with that, I quit and Here's another thing that I want to encourage people with, because the next bit is not super fun, but, you know, it does not have to be a marijuana addiction. There are so many things in our lives that can take over and consume our mm -hmm. minds, consume our focus. I know for a while I felt the same way about Diet Coke. I was like, yeah. Uh, I have to have a diet Coke or people, some people feel the same way about chocolate or ice cream yeah. or, you know, some things could be so innocent, but when we have relinquished allowed those to be controlling factors in our lives, mm -hmm. then that's when we have a problem. And I, I was just thinking, um, about one of the verses you were, I think you were referencing a second ago, um, to take our thoughts captive. And, oh, yes. and that was when your thoughts are out of control, we, we need to remember to take our thoughts captive and, and to offer them to the Lord because mm -hmm. we can just get so swayed off, so distracted so easily, but we need to be self-controlled and alert. 
Mm-hmm. No, that that's so good. And I, I agree hundred percent. So I ended up having a relapse after two weeks. I um, indulged again and had basically a two week period where I was indulging and overindulging and having the same thing. At this point, I had been off meds for a good, I believe, like three months. So the marijuana was having a serious effect on my mind. Um, And I was also trying to hide it because I didn't want to be hospitalized again. I didn't want to have to, no one knew I was off the meds either, which was separated from your husband and your daughter. Yes. And you know, that was also a huge no, no in what they had taught me the last two years is don't stop taking your meds. And first of all, just don't, but if you do tell someone, but also just don't, you know? And so it's actually really cool because God used those two weeks that I stumbled to just show me like, no, you need to, you need to stay away. Like this is, this is harming you and I'm trying to protect you. And I apologize. Cause it was actually then that he took away my appetite and that I was like, Lord, will you take away my appetite? It wasn't the prior time. Cause at that point I was like, Lord, I need you to, you need to do a miracle because I don't have it in me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I felt nauseous and, and didn't, didn't indulge anymore. Um, and you know, even to this day, it's just such a blessing because, you know, I've, I've been around it and I'm not tempted. I'm not, you know, again, even like when I smell it, I'm like, this is, this is not a stumbling block for me, which can be common enough in Oregon that it, yes, yeah. it certainly yeah. can. Yeah. 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 Um, and actually there's a funny story about that too. Um, let's see, uh, two years no, I'm so sorry. The, yeah, the, so this is two years after my hospitalization, the year that I quit, I actually ended up doing uh evangelism ministry at riverfront park in Salem. And I was around it a lot, <laughs> you know, but again, it was just like, it was actually so beautiful because I believe our testimony, the Lord allows things in our life to lead us to the people that we're supposed to win for him. And, you know, the people that the Lord put in my path to win for him were completely different than the people I would have been able to win, you know, just with my old lifestyle with, you know, without this big stumbling block that I had, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to win those people. And there were people Mm -hmm. that could relate to me and that could, you know, ask the hard questions. Like, what do you do when you can't quit? You know? And, you know, obviously my, my story is a little bit, it's quite supernatural that God did give me that ability. And I know that, you know, some people need 12 step programs, you know, some people do need, other things like there's not any rhyme or reason like a perfect recipe for this but either way it was really beautiful because doing that church in the park ministry led me to a lot of people who were able to receive from me who maybe Mm -hmm. wouldn't receive from other people involved in my ministry nothing wasted yes yes hallelujah but I do remember after quitting I you know at this point I wasn't sold out for Jesus but I was like I was growing in him and I was seeking him more. I actually do remember getting baptized in the Holy spirit while doing my dishes in my kitchen and just falling to my knees and just feeling the Holy spirit fill me. And I actually spoke in tongues that day. And it was like, so, so beautiful that, you know, there wasn't laying of hands, not that that that's so called for and beautiful, but it was so, um, humbling that God just did that for me right there in my kitchen. And I, you know, I sought him for it. I was like, Lord, I want to be full of your spirit. I want, you know, more of you, God. And, um, and all of that came with the sacrifice of giving things up, you know, giving up this addiction, giving up even the habits and, you know, ways that I lived my life, like gluttony or laziness, like things that I was inclined to do, but it's like, that's my flesh. So it's not my personality, you know? And so, you know, that was really beautiful. And I remember, um, so I got sober in about, it was February. And I remember by like late spring, I was really, really, and this is COVID by the way, this is Mm -hmm. 2020. So I'm already feeling like cooped up a little bit. Um, and I remember just crying in the shower and praying and asking the Lord to give me a ministry to be involved in. I didn't even know like what that looked like or what I wanted. I just was like, Lord, I need community. I need, you know, a church family. And this is when churches are like shut down a lot of them. And the Lord led me to a church. It was actually like 
part of the church kind of reconfigured of the one I went when I was younger. Um, and I met some new faces and I, you know, saw some familiar faces. There was also an opportunity to go to a church where many people I knew went and, you know, family. And I remember seeking the Lord on that. And he was like, I, I'm going to start a new thing. So I want you to go to this church that, again, I had been to, but it was almost a whole new body um, mm-hmm. and structured very differently. And so um, I went there and I started to get involved. It was still very small and just kind of got into like the grassroots of it. Um, and then, you know, COVID started hitting harder and things were shutting down. You know, our church didn't, but we ended up doing this church in the park thing. And I had the opportunity to, you know, sing on worship and do evangelism ministry. Eventually we gave away food and I was just like very involved in that. And that church has now grown to RLC, which I'm still very involved in. And it's just truly like such a blessing. My daughter has grown up in a like spirit filled church. Like during worship, we, we dance and there's flagging and there's like the joy of the Lord truly resides in that building. And I had never experienced that growing up. You know, I had never experienced that, you know, like David danced undignified before the Lord, but like somehow that's shameful as well in, in religious communities. Mm. Um, And so it was just really, really beautiful and refreshing to see my daughter, you know, my two daughters now like grow up in a house like that, where, you know, we encourage just like, you can dance before the Lord, you can sing loudly, we can clap, you know, there's, there's no restraints. And that's, that's such a joy, you know, even just my mom is involved there and, and seeing her, she does her little flagging every week. And it like, that was actually healing truly to see her who was a little more strict growing up, just be free in the Lord and be free in the flow of the Holy spirit. It, yeah, it's just, it's been such a refreshing process and such an honor to be involved in all glory to God. So I want to go back and just jump through some thoughts that have come to my head as, as we're talking about this. And, and as I've known your story through the years, I I think that you knew that there were a lot of people praying for you at all the stages of this. And you did grow up in the church. You grew up aware of prayer, but, but I wonder if in those low times, were you upset that people were praying for you or did it give you any sort of courage to know that, that you had family and friends surrounding you praying for you? Um, I would say almost a hybrid of the two. Okay. Um, and I think it does go hand in hand with allowing a bipolar spirit to be prevalent. Mm. You know, you, you go from, oh, you know, they love me. That's so nice. But also, kind of being anti-God because I, you know, I was so confused and not mm-hmm. in the right mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, w- I will say like a bit of both, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would say what was instrumental, well, in the spirit, overall prayer, but what was instrumental from what I could experience was people showing up. So like people coming to my house, you mm-hmm. know, bringing me flowers or just saying like, hey, you know, can I pick you up and let's go on a play date, you know, with our kids. And, you know, for a short time, I wasn't allowed to drive. And so, you know, I felt isolated at certain times. And so obviously that was my specific scenario, but either way, people showing up was, was really huge or even checking up on me, texting me, how are you doing? You know, I will say that there were certain points in my Valley that people texting me and saying, I'm praying for you was not helpful. Mm-hmm. But the prayers were obviously so helpful. It was just mm-hmm. sometimes that would come across as condescending, mm-hmm. um, even though it wasn't, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, at the, at my worst, when I was, they were trying to get me hospitalized. Um, my brother actually said, can I come over? I want to come over right now to pray for you. And then I think, you know, I refused. And then he was like, I just want to come over. Can I just come over? And let me just tell you, like people may not believe spiritual warfare is prevalent today, but let me tell you, it is. I was fully polluted with demons. When he said that, I literally had this knowing or felt so strongly that he was coming to kill me. 
no joke visions of it like he's gonna come with the gun and he's gonna come to kill me and i'm not saying that to sound heavy i'm saying that to exemplify that that was the enemy terrified that he couldn't use my body for his deeds, for his works. Um, I was terrified, but it, you know, it wasn't because I didn't know who he was. He's a very loving, like family man. It was that the enemy was trying to scare me and keep him away. And so, you know, in encouraging moms or maybe people who have someone they love that's fallen away, be sensitive to that, you know, and, you know, there were times, especially during my hospitalization that I deemed that brother unsafe, but I know now that it was because he was operating in the spirit. Like he was trying, he was trying to lay hands and cast demons out of me, which is what we're called to as believers. We're called to do that. Yeah. He came to contend and that was a threat in the, in the spirit world. Um, And so, you know, again, like it's probably so hard when you're seeing someone you love suffer, but I also just encourage you to like really examine what else could I do? You know, Mm -hmm. what else could I do? You know, I can pray. My prayers are powerful from right here, Mm -hmm. you know, on my knees Mm -hmm. in my bedroom, you know, that's powerful, Mm -hmm. but also what else can I do to earn her trust? Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, it's not that that person was in the wrong. I know that that person passionately wanted freedom for me and Mm -hmm. I thank God for them. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is something to examine, you know, just how can I pursue them and pursue a relationship with them and ultimately freedom for them without scaring them. And again, yeah, yeah, (laughs) it's so hard. It's so hard to navigate because we kind of come to this position of, I want to support this, the, the person, the friend, the child, the, the niece, nephew, whoever it is, I want to support them, but I don't want to condone or encourage the decisions Mm -hmm. that they're making. And so it's extremely awkward where it's like, how do I do this? And so what I think you're saying is prayer is beneficial no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be in the same physical locality to pray, but stay connected, like Mm -hmm. find some way to stay connected and to breathe into the life of that one who is, is strong on your heart that, that needs breakthrough. Yeah. So along that lines, do you have any more advice specifically for a mom who who just sees their child on this self-destruct mode? I know your mom had a heart that was breaking in this and your mother-in-law and they they're now they're living in the victory with you that mm-hmm. uh you know there was that dark season, but here we are on the other side. And so as one who has been through it, could you tell us any, could you give us any tips on how we can uh, stay steady in our own faith, in our own uh, trust that the Lord is going to bring this about to, to victory on the other side? So one thing that my mom did that was so helpful, well, my mother-in-law, all my family um, that surrounded me that knew the Lord and were advocating for me was really just humility, patience, grace. And like in Ephesians 4, 2, it talks about bearing with one another with all humility, gentleness, patience, and ultimately bearing with one another in love. Just kind of to paint a picture for you, a lot of the conversations that my mom and I had consisted of resentment and bitterness that I had toward her about my childhood. Mm -hmm. Um, Things, you know, that you and I both know as a mom, it's like doctors say they're practicing, like we're kind of practicing <laughs> just every day. We're learning. We, you know, there's no recipe or formula and we have the Holy Spirit and I thank God for the Holy Spirit, but that is the the guidance we have in our life and we're human. We're going to mess up. And it truly, the things that we mess up on are the things that we learn from, right? We yes. learn from those things best. We can't expect perfection from us as parents and we can't expect perfection from our moms into us mm-hmm. either. Yes. And, you know, I, when I was at my darkest time, my poor mother, who I love so dearly, and we have a beautiful relationship now, would just listen to me just like, trash her just go in on you did this and that and it was it like scarred me and now I'm ruined and just 
you know, nothing positive at all, you know, and, you know, I had already bore one child, but I wasn't raising her with selflessness. I mean, clearly like my addiction overrode anything. And so, you know, my mom could have defended herself. She could have been like, oh, you know, I just was doing what felt best. Like, you know, the things that we all want to say to advocate for ourselves, but she didn't. And I'm not saying that that's what we all need to do. You know, there's times when the Lord will lead us to advocate for, you know, maybe a decision we made that was Bible-based and spirit-led, but in the state I was in, that wouldn't have resonated. That wouldn't have helped me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what did speak to me was my mom's humility and my mom's love and just hearing me and listening to me. And she would say time and time again, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you feel like that ruined you. And I'm sorry if it did. And I'm sorry, you know, and even to the extent of it's like, she wasn't enabling me, but she was like, kind of just letting me sit in my sorrow. Yeah. But that later brought this hunger for more, you know, because some people say like, it's going to require them hitting rock bottom to go Mm -hmm. up. And that's Mm -hmm. what it required for me. It Mm -hmm. required like, kind of just spewing hate toward all these people, Mm -hmm. but they received it in such grace and humility and love. And that alone convicted me. That alone softened me. Like it allowed the Lord to do the work. Like the the responsibility is not on the people around you to do the work. Mm -hmm. Allow the Lord to do the work and just sit with them and hold space. You know, your your mm-hmm. family held space for you and gave you time to allow the Lord to work within you. And because it's not what we do. Yes. Yeah. Amen. It yeah, it was it was truly such a blessing. So the victory you're walking in today is a mom who's living for the Lord. Tell me about your family now. So I have two daughters. I have a six-year-old and a one-year-old and my husband who has just been a steadfast companion all through everything. He's a blessing. Yeah. Just my, my life, my daily life looks like I'm involved at my daughter's co-op. And so like we kind of do a homeschool hybrid co-op situation and um, I'm there a couple of days a week and then just, you know, being a stay at home mom, being involved in the church. I help with hospitality at our church and event planning and truly just living a transformed life, walking in resurrected life. My church is actually called Risen Life Church and the like subtitle is like walking in resurrected life. And I truly feel that the Lord has brought me to that place of just walking in victory. And um, another thing that I have, it's such an honor to be a part of is our prayer ministry at our church. Um, We do quite often, just about every Sunday, there's some serious deliverance that the Lord brings people through. I've had the honor to walk people through that and be involved in that. And I would say that is my biggest joy in ministry contending for someone in prayer who has been through maybe even some similar things to me, um, you know, dealt with like an orphan spirit or a spirit of abandonment or, you know, these things that Uh pile up and they take on and the Lord is trying to pull them out of that. Um, and so just about every Sunday I'm at the altar helping, you know, pray people through and contending for people. And again, that, that is probably aside from, you know, my family, my, my girls and my husband, that's my biggest joy in ministry outside of the home, um, is that prayer ministry. Mm. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I, I know it was really, it was tough in the time, but yes, I I think again, victory on the other side. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Now, Ruthie, if people want to connect to you personally, where can they find you? On Instagram, my handle is Ruthie Headland. That would be a great way to connect. I actually post posts of encouragement. So, you know, just sharing scriptures or different things the Lord has led me through. Um, so yeah, they're welcome to to connect with me there. Yeah. And you're also in my mom's group on Facebook. If anybody hasn't yes. found that yet, come join us over there. We talk about all sorts of different mom life things. And that is called Tending Fields Moms Group. And I will link both Ruthie's Instagram and the moms group in the show notes. So that's just a click away. And Ruthie, would you do us an honor and just pray for us today? 
the moms in all the different stages and, and the children represented here too. Yes, I would love to. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It's been an honor. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for God, just your grace first and foremost, God. Your grace is never ending, Father. It's so abundant, Father. We can't even comprehend, and we just thank you for it. We thank you that you pursue us and you chase after us, God. Lord, we thank you for your spirit and how your spirit guides us, Lord, and that if there's someone heavy on our heart, we we vow to you right now, Lord, that we will pursue them in prayer, that we will pursue them in relationship, Lord, whatever you want that to look like, God, we just trust that you'll guide us, Lord. And I just encourage women, Lord, I ask that you'll lift them up and allow them to remember moms here that there is no one too far gone, that -hmm. there is no one too lost. There is no sin too ugly, God, that you cover it all, that you sent your son Jesus to cover it all. And we just thank you for that, Lord. Mm -hmm. We just ask that this podcast, Father, not just this episode, but every episode to follow will um, fall on good soil, God, that you will use the word spoken to edify and to grow and to instruct God. We just thank you that um, you have made the provisions both in time and finances for Pam to do this, God, and, and energy and all the things that you sustained her in, God, so that she can reach people and she can uh, uh, help people to grow. She can foster healthy growth in you, God. And we just thank you for that. We thank you that this is a ministry, that this is the good works of the kingdom, God. Lord, we just thank you that you give us the strength to pursue your kingdom first, Lord. We just thank you for all the listeners here today, Lord. We ask that you give them strength and joy. Lord, just restore the joy of their salvation. Father, even now as they're listening, we just ask that you restore the joy of their salvation, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. I hope that you've been encouraged or challenged in your faith today and that something we discussed prompts you to grow deeper in your walk with the Lord. If it has, make sure you tell a friend so they can grow along with you. And if you or a friend would like to be a guest and share about God's faithfulness in your life, please email me at podcast at Because when we tell of God's faithfulness, we never run out of stories. Whatever is true.